0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans.
1: David May, Sam Homewood.
0: How are we guys? It's been a while since we've been together.
1: Yeah, we did uh, Zoom, didn't we, the other day? Yeah, yeah you did a vasto, I mean, yeah. Um, you were also missing for no? You were you missing for Eric? You were, weren't you? When we did jam Jamba? Yeah. He, he told no, us. No, I was there. Were you there? Zoom. Great, yeah. So, mm-hmm.
2: Since <laughs> we weren't together,
0: it's hard to
1: remember. Good,
0: yeah. yeah, we haven't been together for a while. It's nice yeah. to be at Old Trafford on the off-season, still it's cutting the grass. Absolutely
2: glorious. It's sunny Manchester.
0: How's your off-season been so far?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, it's been nice. It's not, I suppose it's not been
1: that long, and we've come straight into the Nations League, so there's more football to watch. It's been all right. Have yeah. you been watching, Johnny?
0: I have. I went to Windsor Park last Sunday, and I'll be going again this Sunday.
1: If you want to, do you prefer watching... The the national team or the club side?
0: Mm. that's a difficult one. Is national it? team gets to national your heart. At home. Yeah, national team. Oh, yeah. you know, I thought you it's just in said your, that heart. It's in though. your heart. Yeah. Today on the podcast we have Paul Wilson, who, if you followed Manchester United, especially over the last few months, you'll have seen lots of press coverage um, that he has had to retire early. Very unfortunately, at just twenty three years of age with a hip problem. I'm sure people have read or seen the stories about yeah. him. Just heartbreaking, Maisie. You know yourself, Sam and I haven't been footballers, but to have to retire at that age is really unthinkable for a footballer.
2: Yeah, particularly, um, you know, 23-year-old is, I mean, goalkeepers they can go until till they're 40. So he's probably got another 17 years, possibly of playing, but to finish at 23, such an early age, um, great prospects as well um very well thought of the, of the club as well and oh, i don't know i don't know how people cope because it's your whole livelihood taken away from you in one sentence mm-hmm. of the doctor heartbreaking it's it's it's
1: genuinely difficult to wrap your head around from the outside isn't it like people deal with things in their own way but to think about someone in that situation is so hard
0: it is indeed from the statements and the interviews we've seen Since he's retired, people have spoken so highly of him, especially at Manchester United. So I'm sure whatever he goes on to do, he will be very successful, whether that's coaching or another um, part of football. But shall we find out then? Let's do it. Here he is, Paul Wollstone.
1: Paul Wollstone, welcome to the United Podcast. Thanks for having us. How are you? I'm all right, thanks, yeah. Good. Where we are right now, which I suppose we should, usually we do these and we sort of start chronologically and we talk about a, a player's development, where they grew up, who their inspirations were, all that kind of stuff. But I think with you what makes the most sense is to start where we are today. So how long have you been retired now?
3: So officially when did the statement come out? It was the end of March, but everyone who's close group, family, a few of me friends and the staff, it's been more or less since back end of last year and even just before the op there was a 99% chance that I would never play again but I thought 1% could it be me but I always knew that since then it would be a tough road to to come back from
1: So when you had the second operation it was already looking increasingly unlikely that you Yeah
3: Well, I didn't know that Yeah so going in there it was quite interesting difficult to get my head round but I thought just try and get back to a level and just before Christmas broke down again it took seven weeks to recover and just Went no for everyone
0: it. who is listening who isn't aware what the operations were. Can you enlighten us on that? Yeah, it just
3: felt a little niggle in my hip just February last year. So the physios went right, let's see if it settles, didn't settle down. So specialists he went right, try this, this, and set- so got opinions and just went a few scans, then right, coming for an operation, just a little basic tidy up. You'd be back in couple of months back on the grass, fit as anything. Then when he was inside on the first operation, so there was a lot worse than he thought it was gonna be.
0: Is this muscle injury?
3: Uh cartilage, bone, right, everything. So it was looking like it was gonna be a a long operation for the second one. Take all the cartilage out, put fake cartilage in, mesh, stem cells, everything. So it's on the process of, you know, a pre hip replacement Kind of thing. Could you have had a hip replacement then? No. No, I think this was, if I kept going and tried going on, in the next two years I would need a full hip replacement before I'm 25.
0: Did you have any problems with that when you were younger?
3: No, no. Growing up,
0: playing football, so you are doing a lot of diving, aren't you? Yeah,
3: none at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just took us by surprise with it, just with what they said the diagnosis was. And they say, well, I was just one of them. If I had a little niggle, I would just see, let it settle overnight and go back and train. wouldn't see anyone. That was so just that me. was the
0: first operation?
3: First operation was a little tidy up, yeah. which I was in and out in the day. Then the second one was a, a month later where it was the, the serious one on the bed for, I think it was two and a half, three hours.
0: So you still were having pain after the first operation?
3: Little bits, yeah. yeah. But this one was just to try and get rid of the pain and try and get the hip back to looking quite healthy.
0: And what was the point then that they said after the operation, you cannot continue?
3: They said even before the second operation, it was, this is, you know, this is what it looks like. This is what the future could be. So we'll see. Once we're back inside, we have a better picture. So then a few days after about what it was, saw the specialist again and said, yeah, it was a success. This is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what the future is going to be. You might have to think of a different path. And I thought, right, fair enough, I, I get that, but there still is that one percent chance. And if, hopefully, if there's going to be anyone to come back, it can be me. But unfortunately, it wasn't so.
1: What does the future hold for you in regards to your hip? Now, like, are you able? Like, I know you you've had to retire, but if you wanted to have a kickabout, can you have a kickabout? Can you go for a run? Can you ride a bike and stuff?
3: Yeah, going on bikes fine. Going for a little kickabout will be fine. I still haven't tried running, and so just trying to give it as much healing time as possible because it still could take up to 12 to eighteen months from the operation second one for it to fully heal so I'm not like jumping into the first mm-hmm. thing I'm not going to be running Ironmans or anything or doing anything daft I've just got to let it, the hips settle if it hurts you know times it'll still ache but no it's just little little kick about just still fine
1: we've heard um, from uh, some of your coaches and from people like Nick Cox and they talk about you and your character and your resilience as being incredible but this must have been an extraordinarily difficult time at the age of 23 to have worked so hard to then have it all taken away from you. How have you managed to process that? Oh If I
3: could go back to myself when I first heard the words, it'd be, be a lot easier, but it's like when I'm sat there, luckily the doc was there with us when I was listening to what he said, I just zoned out, just looked straight past him, didn't want to mm-hmm. hear, like, listen to what I was being told because I said this can't be me. I haven't started... You know, I'm at the start of a career. I understand it. if I've, I've had one, I can sit back and go, fair enough, I've this is what I've done. There's no need to force it for an extra three years. Uh, this one's just gone. The dreams I've had have just been taken away and being forced into it. it was quite hard to get my head around. It, was, you know, it wasn't easy, not for me, just the family as well, the process, all the sacrifices I've made and they've made. And it's just, it was like kicking the teeth kind of thing all the hard work has just been taken away
0: also when you're a footballer you are going to reach 30 plus some players play until 36 37 and you kind of have your life mapped out for that you know you're going to have to retire early as a footballer but you're prepared for that I suppose Maisie aren't you as a player you know right I'm going to have to do something else from that age but for you to have to do that at such a young age obviously you don't anticipate that what kind of plan have you thought about since that?
3: It's it's something that, you know, it could have been brilliant putting on, even coming through, putting on extra courses and stuff just to keep it, But in the back of your head. It's like, oh, I don't need that. I'll be fine. Yeah. Because you never think it'll happen to you until it does. You go, oh, all right. <laughs> what, what, what is the next avenue? What's the next adventure looking like? You're right, because players get to 36 and hopefully never have to work again in their lives. Mm. You know, they, they can looking you know they might be wise with how they've invested money over the time and you know and kind of enjoy this themselves for as long as they can but at 23 you know still got a, what, 14 years short and as a goalkeeper maybe 17 years short of a career then looking forward to just what you know what do I, what do I enjoy what can I take out and what what do I want to do and I still don't know answer yeah. yet but just looking at different things and avenues and taking bits and pieces from everyone and going sooner or later it'll just look beside the table and go that's it I know what I want to do now mm-hmm. Will you still be able to stay in coaching now? Yeah I'm still trying to still working, badges and stuff. still working towards finishing the, the B licence off I don't know if I can go down the goalkeeping route just with you know the, the demand and the impact yeah. the hit will take on a daily basis but the coaching's something I've been thinking about I just need to get that ticked off and, and see what doors can open
2: Amazing. what are you thinking listening to all this as someone who did have a full career it's, it's any any player's worst nightmare you know as he says he's 23 year old and it's just everything that you're geared for since I don't know probably 10 year old all you've ever wanted to do is play football play football And even the fact that you can't play football now because of the pain that you're going to receive, and after, you know, even if you're playing with your mates, I I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. I really couldn't. I mean, it's bad enough finishing your career and knowing that you've had 15, 20 years of playing first team football and all that. But to have it cut short, I don't know. I don't know. It must absolutely. Be heartbreaking because it's all you've ever dreamed of, and it's just taken away by one doctor saying, Listen, that's it.
0: Did you ever Horrible. play with any players that had to retire really early?
2: Um, no, but I've been I've been with a few players, obviously. Ben done his knee, done his knee. yeah, of course. He, he managed to come back, Shearer did his cruciate. Um, there's been a few where David bust when he did it when he st- Snapped his leg against Coventry, uh, against United there at Old Trafford. You know those those injuries. Then, obviously, if, if David Bust got injured like that, now he'd probably have a full recovery because of the technology. Yeah. But, but then you just think, Jesus, how on earth do you get over it? And you look at him now, and you know he's, he's in the community doing stuff with the, with with Coventry, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know how you get over it. I really don't. But You've got good people around you, which is.
0: And Paul, is, you say, you've said before the club have been really, really good with you, and you've been going into a little bit of media work as well. Yeah. Have you enjoyed that side? Yeah, I loved
2: it. You
3: know, didn't know what to expect going into it. I was nervous at first, but I think it's the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. But it's just other things as well getting introduced to different people, you know, different partnerships, different parts of the club that I never knew existed mm-hmm. and opening them doors for us if, you know, I wouldn't have been able to if I, if I if they didn't, you know, do it for us. We'll Sam, retire and do podcasts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this could, could be the could new be avenue. another one, could <laughs> <be> another one. <laughs> to be fair, we're
2: actually looking for somebody else to take Sam's
0: place. <laughs> Paul, just before you retired, tell us what a normal day in the life of you would be at Carrington.
3: No, the, the, the club kind of knew it for... What the process was, so they managed it quite well. But when I was playing, it would be getting in for half a quarter nine every day. You know, no week was the same with the games that were coming up. You know, you couldn't plan ahead. Sometimes you could have a day off, then the next thing you know, well, you're in. So it's I've known that for eight nine years. That's football. So get in, you know, a bit of breakfast, bit of gym, go out and train, come back a bit more gym in the afternoon and get home around about four. So that was my normal day. But with the injury, I was, you know, I was only in five days a week. So I could plan start getting in a the routine. Then after Christmas, I was only in three times a week. So it started the cycle of, you know, getting out of the routine because that's, that's all I've I've known is coming mm-hmm. in train, yeah. going home, then just coming in three days a week, just tick over, do what I need to do, watch a bit of training it kind of starts that process of, you know, walk not walking out of the game, It's the one way, but getting used to not being out on the grass.
0: Yeah, because you're just not used to days off as footballers, especially no. at this club, because the schedule is so heavy. What did you find yourself doing on days off?
3: Sleeping in. <laughs> <laughs> trying, <laughs> yourself, trying not to get bored, so just... You know, either go home back to the northeast, East and spend more time with the family or, you know, if it was back here, just go on long walks, just try and mm-hmm. get myself out of the flat. because so that was one of the hardest things with being injured. It was coming into the training ground, then going back to the flat. I couldn't get out far. So it's just kind of, I felt trapped. But being able to just go on long walks every day, just clear my head, you know, make sure I'm not just wasting away lying on the sofa all day, just becoming a mess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I, where did your first love of football come into it as a kid? As
3: soon as I was born, I think. You know, just as soon as I remember, it's always been football. Yeah, I think having two older brothers, I forced his into playing football. My dad was a failed footballer. He, you know, he, I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> for so, I for yeah So it, he, you know, came through Sullen boys and went to Knott's Forest Walked out at the Forest, then they went on to win the European Championship. So, you know, you had a few, and then a bit of management, but he's, he never made it made it big.
0: What age did he leave football then?
3: <sighs> he was young, he was 21, just mm-hmm. fell out of love with it.
0: Oh, just fell out of love
3: with it and right. moved down London. He was 21, maybe my age, I think. Then, But, you know, it's always, always football. So where did
2: you start your career then?
3: Started with a little boys team back on the northeast. Washington United as, a, as an outfielder. And mm-hmm. I think first session I went to, I was four, four or five. Started out there and just kind of progressed through and it was football play for the school.
1: Didn't you
3: play position? For, you played for, oh, yeah. Didn't you play for your school at Wembley when you were nine? Yeah. On the, on the full size pitch? No, <laughs> it, was, it was seven a side. So I got the, got the nationals of of primary school got beat in the semis lad handballed it I still picture out cheat referee was useless <laughs> um, but no won the won the third and fourth playoff at Wembley in front of I think it was 20,000 people in so Whoa. yeah
0: 20,000 people watching nine year olds
3: uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I think they did it well they did the day so they had us on so it's like all different tournaments going on then there was proper school boys then I think there was a celebrity game on after so everyone was in, they did it well. So that was a great experience. We should have won, but that's, uh,
0: Sorry, just on Maisie's question, yeah. were you playing outfield then?
3: Yeah, uh, I was in golf for the school at times, played up age groups for the school. Other ones, I'll be playing outfield. So I had a right mix. Went, went to Darlington as an outfielder uh, under nines. Then dad pulled us out because he didn't think I was ready for it. And I was a few more years playing outfield with the boys club. Then went back to Darlington, Went there as a striker, then played left mid, <laughs> centre mid, left back, <laughs> centre half, <off, laughs> played it played everywhere. So there. you just kept going further and further back. Yeah. That's generally what everyone Where did. When did
0: what age did you reach the goals?
3: Under under elevens. <laughs> still pick, still remember it now. It was Grimsby away. Both the keepers got ill. And the coach on the bus went, Who wants to play in that one? Well, I've done it before, I know and kept a clean sheet. I know. And that so, was it. That was it. <laughs> Quite like this. You never
2: played out after that?
3: Played out. It was weird when I even played out after that for, for the school. It was like when we needed a goal, he should just put us out. He's <laughs> like, well, just score and go, right, and get myself back in now. I was like, all right, like, thanks for that. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: what position did your dad play?
3: He was, uh, as he classed it, as a sweeper. A sweeper, yeah. Centre half. <laughs> but no, they, it. it's just, but like football's been in the family. My sister played as well. She, she She's had a passion. She's really good brothers you to say what you want no decent yeah. yeah brother you know got told he was too small to be a keeper back in them days because they just looked at me dad and went no he's got any chance now he's 6 foot 2 yeah, and stuff like that and brother played and was a coach at Middlesbrough so it was football then sister played you know she had three older brothers so she, she yeah. had to play she got forced to play in the garden you know she did England camps and, and all this and Son and Newcastle Middles- came through at Middlesbrough, and she had to pack in the same time as me. She's had four operations on her knees, wow. three ACLs, oh and goodness. it's quite what? common. Yeah, so she around the same time. I was like, are "You trying to steal my limelight too? This, <laughs> this is this is this is my story coming out, not yours." You oh, you're are
0: like- a proper footballing family.
3: Yeah. So and it, that's why it's so hard and looking at, I can't walk away because it's all yeah. I've known. Yeah. And all I've loved, it, well, one of the loves is is football. So when it came down to it, it was just like, people say, oh, do you want to stay? And I'm like, yeah, of course I want to stay because <laughs> if I walk away, then I don't know what I'll do. And was Sunderland your biggest love in football? Still is, yeah. So when I got the chance to sign there at under 12s, it's like, it's been a Sunderland and dream to go there that's the first time really I got signed as a keeper was there got spotted on one of the camps and was raw as anything and you know signing for Sunland then being a Sunland family and just everyone was over the moon so was I so then when I got released there at end of under 15s to go and sign for Newcastle I was wondering
1: when the Sunland being your biggest love and still being your biggest love and everybody loving it at what point it was you joined Newcastle
3: so end of end of under fifteens, beginning of <laughs> under sixteens. But like me it didn't bother us. the you know, being a Sunland fan, yeah, but when I I wanted to win no matter who it was with, but I mean, dad, it my dad took me Dad some time to adjust to it. <laughs> you know, you're getting the kit back, you turn inside out on the washing line. No one because <laughs> everyone knew his massive son that, and it's fun. going, No, they can't say this, they can't say this, and hide it behind things. And you turn up just little thing you'd have his son and socks on coming to watch his play or <laughs> something daft like that. But I me mean, didn't bother his. you know. I had five years and loved every second of it, you know. Got looked after well, enjoyed my football, had a few good loan spells, and so I mean one of the loan spells my dad says yeah I fell back in love with football again. Which one was that? When I was at Blythe. you won the league there right? Yeah. Won the league in the Northumberland Senior Cup. And it was just great fun playing week in week out. Oh. You know academy football is great but that's when you learn what football is really about. Were you there for the whole season? From beginning of November through. And were you, were you the first choice? Yeah. That must have been wonderful. That was great. Playing proper football at 18 year old you know, in a successful team getting promoted, it was great. Funny, you know, the fans of daft as anything but loved them. And you know, it was looking back, it was probably one of the most enjoyable times I've had. Is it difficult for at that point a very young goalkeeper
1: to go into a men's first team where I imagine there are various senior pros who've had various careers and I guess you've got to be in charge of your defence and you've got to be telling them what to do and you've got to have that
3: confidence. Yeah. You gotta you gotta grow up. I think it's the only way I was, you know, lucky enough to be around men's sport from a young age as well, playing cricket and people that was around. So I kind of you know, I was used to that bit of pressure. But when it's, you know, goalkeeper playing men's football, it's a different sort of pressure, but it's something that you can't go under, you've got to show that, yeah, I'm strong at can take the abuse from behind us because you don't get that. It's, it's the first kind of, oh, all right, fair enough. But you can't let it see to, to matter you bother you that much. You kind of thrive on it. But I think once you get behind them and they get, you regain that you gain that trust, it's it's an easy easy way to go. Do you ever play in front of a really young goalkeeper?
2: Probably not. No, don't think so. But I'm glad I asked. Don't think I did, do it. <laughs> That's
0: really <laughs> keep knocking things a word I don't know why um, Paul when, so you're at Newcastle you had a couple of loan spells when was the moment you then moved on from there
3: so it was after five years there there's just no pathway who was the manager then so when I first went it was Pardew then McLaren then Rafa right. so it was Rafa at the time just went there was no pathway for us because mm-hmm. competing with Freddie Woodman and, and others and you know it was quite hard and I found one of the hardest things it, was trying to get them loans because managers. I want a goalkeeper with experience, and it's yeah, like, yeah. where do you, how do you gain yeah. that experience? So it's quite odd, even still. So then, you know, got released from Newcastle, went on trial
2: to a few clubs: West Ham, Blackburn, Carlisle. Did was there any point in those times when you thought I might not quite make it? Was there a doubt, or did you just no, think, just, no, just kept
3: going and going. going.
2: Yeah, you know. I, and tried with West
3: Ham for three weeks, you know, a few, two days here and there, then went to the States end of August for just over a week to train with Phoenix, but always kept in touch. Then landed back on the Monday, in the Monday afternoon, I got the call from, well, my dad got the call from Man United saying, does Paul want to come? And it's like, because you I was in de- bed, weren't yeah. I was in bed, I was asleep. I was jet lagged to be <laughs> 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 lying in there, but we kept in touch with the coaches. That I had it son who now, work here so i always had that relationship and they yeah. always came to watch when they could you know speak to the club speak to me and when they rang me down lying in bed and he comes in going like I just say this image at the end I'm what he goes oh yeah found your club got your club went oh who was your dad your agent no no he might as well have been at <laughs> times but no they rang it was kind of in between agencies at the time but still the same one I was with from the start mm-hmm. But just hadn't, you know, re-signed or whatever. Yeah. But the, the rangers and Dad came up and went, Oh, yeah, it's a... I went, Oh, who's it? He went, Oh, it's Manchester United. I went, Alright. Said something else to him, but <laughs> I went, Alright, see you later. I'm going back to sleep. I was like, Oh, pulling my leg here, what he just said then once I woke up, went downstairs. What did you say? Which club was that? I went, No, I went Fett's rang, went, alright, put Put him on the phone, so spoke to Alan Fettis, and he said, "I went right. When do you want us? When do you want us? Can you come tomorrow? Like, right? Empty that suitcase, get all the washing in, and pack. And that was it. Pack the car up and came. There was no no second thoughts because when a club like this comes calling, it's the only answer is yes. Well, apparently that's the second answer. The first answer is go back to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Use another word. (laughs) It's the first (laughs) answer, but it was just you know. After the setback, setback release, to go, wow, the biggest club in the world wants you to come and sign for them. They said the only way you won't sign if, if I didn't enjoy it. I was like, how can I not enjoy driving into here? What every was the day? conversation
2: you had then with him? So, that he wanted to sign you? Or yeah, he he wanted a, to sign you. wanted to sign us. You. you know, you can come in. And wh- where'd they been watching you then?
3: So, just followed us all the way through. Yes. Yeah, so, so I met them. How old was I? Yeah, twelve years ago. Right. So we kept that relationship through. Kevin Wolf came to watches when I was at Blythe playing at Ashton. My first reserves game for Newcastle, I was fifteen. Was against Man United as well. So it was just wow. kind, of, it was kind of meant to be. Kept the the Ronene first clean sheet of this season in one. Yeah. So it's just small things. I look back like that. I was gone well. If I was meant to be here. I was yeah, meant yeah, to be. So, yeah. so how old were you when this was happening? I was, oh, let's get this right. So, would be, I was around about 19, mm-hmm. 20 when it was happening. So then it's like, oh, do you want to move and digs? I'm going, no. I've spent my time living at home. I'm going to, you know, live by myself. My auntie lived in Manchester. So I knew rough areas of it it's typical, as soon as I came, she moved to Essex. I was like, no. "Thanks."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you know any of the lads here? Any of the youth team players? Yeah, or knew players? knew a
3: few of them. Played with a couple of them in England coming through. You know, heard of you know about a few of them and how good they were, and you finally realise it on on the uh, when you're on the pitch. But played against Marcus and Dean throughout the age groups and stuff. So I was familiar with them. It was, it was nice seeing familiar faces because it just f- makes you feel at ease mm-hmm. and comfortable. comfortably walking in, you know a few people and just kind of as soon as I walked in and saw them, I was just, after a f- few days, I was completely relaxed. It wasn't like, oh, what am I doing here? I think one of Maisie's favourite questions
1: is to ask people when they've moved to United if they notice a step up, if the training is harder. I think it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, was that the same at that level? Yes.
3: Yeah, massively. You know, just because I've been in around the first team environment at Newcastle for for three years, so we would finish training I'd be on the golf course by off one. You know, stuff like that. Mason's right. like, yeah, <laughs> that's what we did up. most
0: days. Wrong with that.
3: <laughs> but then coming, you Three's know,
0: he's going in half an hour.
3: <laughs> but like coming down. I wouldn't say it was coming down it was coming into Manchester United and yeah. training the days were definitely longer and harder but I still enjoyed it and, you know Manchester United have got bigger and more resources than mm. Newcastle did have until yeah. until <laughs> yeah. now yeah. but you know it was every training session every little bit I enjoyed
1: I'm genuinely shocked you have Northwood handicap yet handicap <sighs>
3: Pens Hadn't played for two years, and played off 21. Oh, okay. So 17. That's not bad.
0: Golf. Can you play golf with your hip? Yeah. Oh, there you go.
2: Oh,
3: there you go. Let's I had to make, sure. <laughs> make sure. I had to make sure. That was one of the first questions, but can I still play golf? Yeah, don't like worry about the so, ball? just it's, the it's, golf. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you came to the club, was the plan for you to go straight to the under-23s?
3: Yeah, straight in, Just just work with the under-23s, then just kind of push them you know keep driving them keep going because I think there's there's a little gap that well, a keeper or two short and that's where the thought of me to come in because I was out of contract it was you know no brainer get them in and just develop then not only work him. Here made me a better keeper, but a better person as well.
0: Obviously, under-23s train together and the first team train together. I know sometimes there is a crossover, but in terms of the goalkeepers, do you always train with the first team goalkeepers together?
3: No, that's still split. Still split. So the 23s, it's strange because sometimes the 23s and 18s all train together, train separate, then... Depending who's available in national duty, keepers will get put up, or they need an extra keeper the first team. That's when you go up. So, there's never really that big group of keepers because there's that many other clubs. I think the 23s and first team train, train together quite a bit, but here it's you know it's still separate, but it's still one big group.
0: Yeah, because when you did retire, we saw lots of quotes from the goalkeepers here, so you obviously have quite a tight knit grip of you even though you don't train together every day yeah
3: I think being part of the, the goalkeeper union as, yeah. as people call it it, it is tight we all get on well with each other we're all there for each other you know spent a few you know every now and then up with the first team training so you get to know them you know as as they are looking at them when you first come and go well why it's you just get know them on a personal level and I was just myself around them, but what they're, you know, saying, there's my number. If you need anything at any time, just shows that, you know, they've been brilliant with us.
1: I know you've said about Lee Grant during the last sort of yeah. six months for you.
3: How, how, um, how useful, useful is a weird word, but how supportive has he been? Oh, he's been brilliant. You know, he's kind of helped us get through the, the whole acknowledgement process of, of what's happening because we'll just talk about everything, we'll have coffees and just think about the future and try and take my mind off what's happening and try and look and stay positive and I think that's been brilliant no matter what time of day it is well within reason I'm not bringing him in the middle of the night or when he's on but take time out of his day I would have talk for like a couple of hours and just put my mind at rest and just talk about life and of course I, to take the obvious he doesn't have to do that no, none of them have to do it, you know, yeah. Harry, Scott didn't have to come see us and, and stuff and all, you know, the messages I got from them, they didn't have to do it, they didn't have to be seen to do it, it just shows the type of people they are mm-hmm. and the type of person, grant he is to go out, not go out of his way, just be himself around us and offer us that support.
0: And what about the managers? Because obviously the managers have changed quite a lot since you've been here. How supportive have they been?
3: Well, been been brilliant. They, they, they've understood what's been going on with us. You know, they haven't asked questions of like, "Oh, what's he doing?" Here? Who's that? They've just offered his. You know, the support I needed sometimes an arm round is. But saying if you need anything, any advice, people to talk to don't be afraid to ask. And that's, you know, it's quite helpful that the doors they can open for us. What, what
1: was it like when you first did a couple of, uh, I suppose maybe the first one where you did training sessions with the first team?
3: You, you're in kind of like, or at the start because you see them on, on telly every week, you're looking at the the best players in the premier league. And I say, I'm just a lad from the Northeast me, you know, I've, I've, I've come in and I'm training with the best of the best But after a while, you know, you just go just normal people, just normal people, like everyone else is. No matter what club I've been at, you kind of no matter if it's Newcastle, Sunderland, or coming here, just normal, normal people who are very, very good at what they do.
2: You must get some um, down moments as well, though. How do you cope yourself with that? It's it's difficult. I think everyone's different how how to deal with the down moments. You know, it was, I don't want to put a dampener on the yeah. podcast live. <laughs> no, no, but it is, you know. But it is, but, yeah. it, you know, you look at mental health in football yeah. and stuff like that. And do you think it's actually hit you yet? I, I think
3: it's, I, th- I feel like it's hit us. Yeah. Definitely at the start, like, the start I just broke down every day. Just mm-hmm. sitting there, sit, sit on my bed, just close the door and just break down for a few minutes and just like a lot of questions why I wouldn't eat I wouldn't sleep if I was sleeping I was only getting like half an hour an hour yeah. so all these questions rolling through my head it, and it, was, it did take time you know like I just kept a lot of things and it just hit it's like a <laughs> brick wall and away I went mm-hmm. you know but now I, f- I feel better you know because I've had that you know the first initial f- couple of months it was very difficult but now I'm looking back at it going well, you can't affect what's gone but you can affect what's about to come.
2: Yeah,
1: this is a, a really clumsy way of phrasing it because it's not a positive but in some ways is for you is it easier to retire at 23 than say 35 and then be like what do I do now that 15 year routine well, or maybe 30 year routine because obviously you start when you're a child has vanished and players we know struggle so much to come out of that routine and find something to do but actually you're so young you can sort of do
3: whatever you want yeah, I, I I don't know. Retiring at any age is, mm-hmm. is hard to, to get your head around and think about. I would, I would my opinion, I would rather have retired yeah. at 35 because yeah. <laughs> yeah. now I'm looking at it going, oh, I right. need I, I need a job come August. I need to pay the bills. I need to get something done like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but well, having 35, you've had that longer period to earn that bit more money to put yeah. away just in case. And you go, right, I'm comfortable for you know a few months maybe six months get my feet on the ground say this but now it's like reality hitters mm. it's quite tough but it's life <laughs> it's not what you can do
0: when you were at school if you hadn't have played football what would have been the path what did you think about when you were at school
3: I would have played cricket okay yeah had the when I got 15 had to make the choice either play football professionally or play cricket and for some reason I chose football when I look at it now going I could have just followed the sun for, for 12 months of the um play <laughs> play somewhere warm but no it, it's got to that point of right this is it do you think if you'd played cricket do you think I mean have you got any idea If you, would your hip have still been an issue don't know is it is- yeah don't know did ask the doc? Can I still play cricket? He went you'll have to change your run up a little bit, but I've got the green light for that. Most <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> yeah.
0: Any so, other players in the squad? Cricket fans? I think
3: I think Dean was. I think Harry maybe a little bit, but in Newcastle, the the goalkeepers, me, Carl Darlow, Rob Elliott, massive cricket fans. So we go and watch cricket together in the summer. It's always spoke when the Ashes was on, or where, whenever there's cricket on. It's always spoke. But I'm not sh- really sure about the
2: lads here. There's got to be a few dark horses who love cricket. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. Were you a cricket fan, Maisie?
2: I watched Lancashire and Yorkshire so last night. That was good. Mm. Yeah.
0: Never really hear you talk about cricket, actually. No. Well, you played
2: cricket when you were younger, didn't you? Only school. Yeah, we you still you, know, you held a bat. Yeah,
1: back.
0: yeah. I held it back a bit. You did
2: it. Tick the box. Yeah. Tick the box. Yeah.
0: So, Paul, is your long-term plan to stay around Manchester, or are you happy to go further afield to look for something else in football?
3: I've extended the lease on my flat for another year Mm -hmm. because Manchester's my home now. I've told everyone back home that, you know, home's home, but Manchester's my home. I don't want to move back unless it's for, you know, a a proper reason why to move back. And I was just thinking if it's football coaching, brilliant, but if it's still involved with football, it's easy to get to the bigger cities Mm -hmm. from here as well. You know, 90 minutes from, from Sunderland back home, you're only... Leeds while Ninety minutes on the train. Hey, nearly in London. Yeah, absolutely ideal. And um, what were your? This is obviously this was previously in the conversation, but what were your experiences of
1: America like compared to playing over here?
3: Oh, it it's different, massively different, but great, great experience. You know, going training there, you know, drug you know, training with the same players on the same pitches as do drug but for. <laughs> one of them was was an eye opener but the way they would, you know, it's a different culture, it's a different way of thinking, but was really enjoyable and having the chance in April to go with the 15s and 17s to Dallas and seeing it from the coaches and backroom staff point of view because we as players are, are quite fortunate just to turn up and go, right, breakfast is at this time, we're doing this at this time, just make sure you're down there for it, then to see the stress, the hard work that goes behind getting a trip like that sorted, but then watching back and looking at different things and the Americans coming through now they're saying it's like their first proper generation of of footballers technically they're very very good but I think what the difference is between us coming through and the Americans coming through is we know how to play the game Mm -hmm. while they don't in a way of like playing the game and knowing how to win knowing what to do but they're getting there and some of the talent come through is quite frightening here and there. If you had not come back and United you know, had called, would you have wanted to go back to somewhere like Phoenix? And Yeah, I was thinking it could just be a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Get away, fresh start, you know, move to the side of the world. I don't mind that. I'm still up for that. I'll, you know, I enjoy travelling and so does everyone, but going there, I was going to go, yeah, I'm fine. They were looking at a keeper for the start of next season in they needed all four of the coaches to say yes three of them said yes so unfortunately it wasn't but i was kind of, i was pushing that abroad mm-hmm. thing just to get away from it all mm-hmm. it's not it's not the most common thing is it for english
1: players people like to stay where yeah. they are and not travel a lot do you think that's something people you would encourage people to
3: do more i think so i think you know i the Premier League's the best league in the world, but you look at players now who are going away and playing in Europe and whatever and creating massive names for themselves, I wouldn't be afraid of doing it. I think you've got to step out of your comfort zone. You've got to go and test yourself. You've got to go and try different things. Because if you just get stuck, then you kinda of, you'll start losing the purpose of it. So I think but for me it was just like, yeah, I'll go. I'll go wherever. I don't care. As long as I'm playing, it was one of them phone call yeah do you want to come here yeah I'm away
0: we know that Sunderland is your biggest love you've mentioned that but for the rest of uh, your life will Manchester United be that close second club for you now oh
3: definitely when you become part of the family <laughs> that they go on about you looking from the outside you know, what's this Manchester United family but once you're in it you, you understand mm-hmm. yeah they do so much for you as a as a player, then also so much for your family. So it'll definitely be my second club for sure. One thing we should say, obviously, we're sat here currently in this lovely little box at Old Trafford with the pitch behind us and you've played here. Yeah. What What was that like for the first time? Or any time, I suppose? I think it's bizarre. You know, you're walking out the the tunnel there, no matter what what game it is, to play at Old Trafford, it's special. So I managed to get all the family over to watch it, which was brilliant, even though it wasn't full. It's about 5,000 there. It's still... Special memory being able to walk out here and play it would have been nice if it was a youth cups size crowd, yeah. but no, it's just not. You don't get that chance often to do it. Is coming through. You would look that that when I was at Newcastle, look the reserves or whatever when we're playing likes of this. I still do it now, looking right where who we're playing and where we're playing because it's it's different playing in the grounds. I think the football's better than training ground playing at training grounds is just it's pointless in my head if you've got the facilities you you should use them Mm
0: -hmm. Paul thank you I think I think we're done honestly your story is really really inspiring and we all I think we can all say that we wish you the best of luck and we do hope that we see you in football and staying in football as well thank you thank
2: you cheers well what do you think of that one totally different from everything we normally hear from players having successful careers um, going on to play for the countries and stuff like that but Pauls is just totally different yeah, yeah that's why I really totally enjoyed different. that one because the closest example we'd have would be Ben Thornley probably but
1: yeah. even Ben did manage to eke out a career for himself mm-hmm. and play maybe not at the level he wanted or what he imagined but he still did it um, but he's like
2: what a lovely guy I'm actually quite shocked how positive he is mm-hmm. because I found it difficult having finished my career and having a a career playing week in, week out, but to actually finish at 23. And yet, you know, he's so positive. So sometimes, you know what, things happen for reasons, although right now for him, it's Mm -hmm. probably a bad reason or a bad thing. But sometimes so much positivity can come out of something. And I'm sure listening to him over the last hour or so there, how positive he is and what he's going to give back to the game. He's doing his badges and, you know, that's, that's, hopefully that's his future now that he can become, whether a coach or something still in the game, fingers crossed he can, he can do that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's unbelievable that at the same time, the same thing happened to his sister. Yeah.
0: I can't believe how many of his family members play football as well. Yeah. yeah. They'll definitely be listening to this. Hi, Paul's family, <laughs> unless, nice. unless they listen to the Sunderland podcast, of which I don't know whether there is one. But um, yes, yeah, such a big footballing family.
1: I love the story about his dad. And the Newcastle kits on the washing line, and yeah. have put them inside Brilliant. out to hide them and stuff. Brilliant. I thought that was absolutely great. Sunderland socks as well. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. face it,
0: if you had a city shirt at home, you would do the same.
1: I'd burn it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, really enjoyed that. And as Maisie said, something totally different than what we have had on the podcast before. Uh, because obviously we have had Ben, but Ben's had a career since then. Yeah. Paul's just at the beginning of yeah. who knows what. And as Maisie said... I also believe that everything happens for a reason. So it's exciting to see where he will be in the next few years.
1: Maybe we'll get him back on in a few years. Yep. Yeah. Let's see, see how he's getting on. I thought it was lovely and I really enjoyed talking to him. Um, also, like Helen, just in case Paul's phone, I want to say hello as well. Now I'll, I think I'll look impolite if I don't, because you did. Okay, Sam. Hi to the Bostons. Thanks for listening. <laughs> if you've not listened, I'll take it all back. I suppose that's probably us done at this point. We're talking nonsense. Uh, so, thank you very much, as usual, for listening. If you Ouzur. want to get in touch
0: with us. Ouzur. Thank you very much. For it.
1: it's, it's how we say it in the South. <laughs> thank you very much for listening, as usual. And um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can. It's Podcast at main.co.uk. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye. See you later.